Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are ready to read Genesis chapter 35. Now, last time we read Genesis 34. And at the end um, of Genesis 34, uh, Jacob's sons had basically um, killed all the men of the city, you know, because Shechem had raped Dinah, their, their sister. They killed all the men of the city and uh, they raided or looted everything and took everything, all the um, all the livestock and everything. They looted all their wealth. There you go. They looted all their wealth. So, and at the end, Jacob, you know, Jake, Jacob complained to his son saying that, you know, you've ruined us and they will all rise up against us and destroy us. But they said, should he be permitted to treat our sister as a prostitute? And they're referring to the guy, Shechem, who had raped, he was a young man who had raped their sister. Okay, so now we're ready to read chapter 35. Now this is in the Amplified Bible. Then Jacob said to, no, I, wow, I got that backwards, I apologize. Then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and live there and make an altar there to God who appeared to you in a distinct manifestation when you fled years ago from Esau, your brother. Then Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Get rid of the idols and images of foreign gods that are among you, and ceremonially purify yourselves and change into fresh clothes. Then let us get up and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar altar. There to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the idols and images of the foreign gods they had, and the rings of which were in their ears, worn as charms against evil, and Jacob buried them under the oak tree near Shechem. So they dumped everything like that. And and Jacob here is looking to, you know, get them to purify themselves and, and, and go back to following the Lord more closely. See, obviously they had already allowed themselves to get a little polluted here. I'm surprised, but here within a matter of really a short amount of time, it sounds like maybe just a few years, though, are hard to be sure. But, um, but yeah, it sounds like they had allowed themselves to be polluted already with idols and images of foreign gods and rings in their ears. And see, we look at things, you know, we're not, I'm just, I'm going to just say this. If you already have piercings and tattoos and stuff, that's not the end of the world. Physical things like that aren't important. Not really. But we shouldn't be as Christians. We shouldn't be scarring or maiming ourselves. That's something that people did in olden days following other gods. Okay. Now, Yes, you can talk about uh, circumcision if you want. But even that, we should not be doing nowadays. That has been done away with. There is no need for that, and it's not purposeful. We should not be scarring ourselves or our children. Um, it's one thing if you decide that you want something like that when you're an adult and you're not doing it for any um, any bad reason. I mean, if you decide that you really want something because you really like it for a purpose, you know, a good purpose, not a bad purpose. See, a bad purpose would be like, oh, I'm worshiping this and I want to put this on me. You know, it can be taken as a sign of idolatry. 
that's that's the risky part of that. That can be taken, tattoos especially, can be taken as a sign of idolatry. And um, and piercings can also be a sign of self, you know, like either self-loathing loathing or self-loving decoration, either way. And either of those can be bad in a, in a number of different ways. But uh, we shouldn't be doing that. That's, those are not good practices for us, and I don't think that they present uh, the right image to others. Now, again, if you already have these things and you become a Christian, you know, that doesn't mean you have to get rid of everything or that you have to undo all that. Those are physical scars that stay with you, and I understand that. They stay with you forever. Um, to some degree, even if you try to get rid of it, you know, those things stay, so... I'm not saying you have to go through a lot of trouble to get rid of all that, but, you know, um, we want to make sure that we're not presenting that as if that's something that's wonderful and desirable. It's just a physical thing. It's just like if you are if you grow your hair long, well, that's good. You have hair. I don't. I'm bald, so <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> maybe if I had hair, maybe I would. But uh, nonetheless... Um, you know, these are superficial things. We don't want to get tied up in these superficial things. And we don't want to make marks on ourselves like that and try to make ourselves either scary or weird or stand out to other people in ways like that. The ways we want to present ourselves and stand out to others is in our hearts, in how we act, and how we uh, interact with others and how we treat them. That's how we want to stand out and show ourselves to be a part of God's family. All right, so verse 5. As they journeyed, there was a great supernatural terror sent from God on the cities around them, and for that reason the Canaanites did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with them. Okay, so here, Jacob was right. These people were going to destroy him. You look at verse 5. God sent a great supernatural terror on the cities around them. In other words, God protected them. He didn't actually physically hurt them or wipe them out or do anything like that, but he did keep them from hurting Jacob and his family. There he built an altar to worship the Lord and called the place El Bethel, God of the house of God. Because there God revealed himself to him when he escaped from his brother. Now Deborah, who once was Rebekah's nurse, died and was buried below Bethel under the oak. And the name of it was called, I'm going to do the best I can, Alon Bakuth, or Alon Bakuth. It's hard to say. The Oak of Weeping was the translation. Then God, in an invisible... Okay, wow, I said that totally backwards. Let me say that again. This is verse 9. Then God, in a visible manifestation, appeared to Jacob again when he came out of Padan Haram and declared a blessing on him. Again, God said to him, Your name is Jacob. You shall no longer be called Jacob that Israel shall be your name. So he was called Israel. And God said to him, let's see, what does Israel, does, does Israel have a meaning? Let me look here. I believe it does here. Okay, 
Israel, and this is, this is something that I've heard others, I think we've talked about this before. He who strives with God. That is a translation of Israel. He who strives with God. Okay. <clears throat> and God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall be born, born of your loins. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and to your descendants after you I will give the land. Then God descend, no, then God ascended from Jacob in the place where he had spoken with him. Jacob set up a pillar memorial monument in the place where he had talked with God, a pillar of stone, and he poured a drink offering of wine on it. He also poured oil on it to declare it sacred for God's purpose. So Jacob named the place where God had spoken with him Bethel, the house of God. Then they journeyed from Bethel, and there was still some distance to go to Ephrath, Bethlehem. Rachel began to give birth and had difficulty and suffered severely. Let me read that again. I don't think I read that quite right. Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath, Bethlehem, Rachel began to give birth and had difficulty and suffered severely. When she was in hard labor, the midwife said to her, Do not be afraid, you now have another son. And as her soul was departing, for she died, she named him Benoni, son of my sorrow. But his father called him Benjamin, son of the right hand. So Jacob called him Benjamin rather than Benoni. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. Well, this goes back to, if you remember a few chapters back, when we were reading about Leah and Rachel giving birth to, to children, um, that I felt that it was incomplete. And I don't, you know, I've never like sat down and like memorized all of Jacob's children's names or anything like that. But I just... I counted, I remember counting and thinking, well, that's only 11, we're missing somebody, you know, and, and I just made, you know, made a, uh, maybe a small remark or so about it, but, um, but this is what was missing. I knew there was more to come, but I couldn't, you know, my mind was not uh, bringing it exactly to me, and that was okay, because we're taking this a step at a time anyway, a chapter at a time as we go, so, but nonetheless, this is Rachel's final child. This is Benjamin, and I think this is Jacob's youngest and last son. So, now, whether or not there are any more daughters, I don't remember. We shall see as we go, but uh, maybe there will be. Maybe they won't even be mentioned. A lot of times, daughters are not mentioned and are not regarded very highly. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. I don't mean that in a mean way, like they're not regarded um, it's just that they counted their lineage through the males. So that's what is recorded the most. And that's that's been true of most human history anyway. So it's not totally unusual or, um, or, uh, or unexpected. <clears throat> All right, so let's continue on from there. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. Jacob set a, a pillar memorial monument on her grave that is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. 
Then Israel, Jacob, journeyed on and pitched his tent on the other side of the tower of Eder, the lookout point used by shepherds. While Israel was living in that land, Reuben, his eldest son, went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard about it. Hmm, now that seems weird. I wonder why that occurred. We'll see if there's some explanation here. Now, Jacob had twelve sons. The sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, then Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun, and the sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin, and the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's maid, Dan, and Naphtali, and the sons of Zilpah, Leah's maid, Gad, and Asher. These are the sons of Jacob born to him in Padan Aram, or Padan Aram. I'm not sure how to say that. Jacob came to Isaac, his father, at Mamre of Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had lived temporarily. Now the days of Isaac were a hundred and eighty years. Isaac's spirit departed, and he died, and was gathered to his people who preceded him in death. An old man, full of days, satisfied, fulfilled. His sons Esau and Jacob buried him in the cave of Machpelah, or Machpelah, with his parents Abraham and Sarah. So we have really two deaths here. We have Rachel's death and we have Isaac's death. Now we have an accounting of, uh, of Reuben laying with Bilhah, his father's concubine, which was, uh, Bilhah was Rachel's maid. So I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure why that would be. That would have been, and Israel heard about it. That would, that should have been something that would probably have been frowned upon. But nonetheless, um, if we see more about that in the next chapter or so, we'll, we'll take that as it comes, okay? But here we see that Rachel died on the way to Bethlehem. And we're reminded that God renamed Jacob to Israel um, and calling him Israel, he who strives with God. So, um, you know, and that was something that, uh, that I've heard, uh, uh, I've heard modern day Jews say, um, at least one in particular. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to, you know, mention names, but anyway, he said that, you know, they strive with God. They uh, struggle with God. And that's, um, and that's not how we think of things. We think of things we, we struggle to be like and to follow God. We don't think of it as actually struggling with God ourselves. So I guess there's some difference in how perhaps the Jewish people look at this and how we look at it. Um, so, and that may not be fundamental for everyone, but there may be certain people. And maybe there's certain Christians who have the same similar viewpoint where they feel like they're struggling with God with what he's asking of them. So, okay. That is a possibility. So, anyway, though, this has been Genesis chapter 35. I want to thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. May the Lord bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.